0: This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
1: We're right, back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Lindsay?
1: Not too bad. It's Tuesday. Uh, it's kind of odd because it's Monday Night Football, so... In real life for the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL, it's it's going to be a Monday, so they're not going to practice tomorrow. They'll get back to work on Thursday. We'll hear from head coach Zach Taylor, Taylor to determine if we hear from, from Joe Burrow, and we'll get more of an update on where they stand with Joe Burrow. Um, but that's what we'll start with right now. You know, you you listen to Zach Taylor, even on Monday's press conference when he talks about Joe Burrow and he mentioned they're going to go to the doctors. They're going to talk to the doctors before they make a decision. And I think that's the most important thing, because right now, if you get on social media, I feel like everyone has an opinion on what Joe Burrow should do. And the Cincinnati Bengals, I know a lot of people are being pretty hard on him right now. Why didn't you let him sit out? Why did he play those first two games? Um, but it really does sound like just listening to Paul Daner or, or reading his piece on the Athletic. He was he was getting towards the end of, of, of being full full go. And um unfortunately uh it was a tweak, but anything can happen in a week. So to be determined on if Joe Burrow will go on Monday night. But um how how you feeling about everything? Again, we are not doctors. We say that all the time when it comes to medical stuff with players and athletes. We're just going by what we do see and hear. Um, and as of now, there there's not a whole lot of updates on Joe Burrow's calf.
0: Yeah, I'm worried, I think. That's my first reaction is the, the talk about it before. I don't really care too much. I mean, hindsight. Yeah, they should have arrested him. If they started 0-3 and they didn't have any issues with the calf like the rest of the year, we would probably be in that hindsight going, man, we could have got that one seed if Burrow could play. So I understand what they're trying to do. And also digging yourself out of this hole and they're in it now in a probably a worse spot than they would. This is, Pretty much worst case scenario for the calf, other than the mm-hmm. a possible big tear. And that doesn't have to be the calf. But man, you are in a spot now where what if Burr plays like what percent is he? Because I was thinking he was up at like 85, maybe even 90 at times on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That might be a little aggressive because he couldn't he wasn't really scrambling much. But I think of that last play, and that was after the reaggravation where he rolls right tosses a dime and i'm thinking like that looks like burrow you know that's why i was shocked i heard about the calf thing after i was like "What?" even the last play of the game he was running He looked good so but adrenaline i mean anybody that's played sports you know like you can suffer an injury and then finish a game and then when you're kind of like sitting down at the locker or wherever after you go holy crap <laughs> like my knee is like busted right now or whatever um It's tough, though. This is near worst-case scenario. You're 0-2, so the gamble didn't even do anything for you. Now your quarterback, I'm thinking he'll look like 60, maybe 70% of what he was. That's just speculation because I have no idea. It could be 50. It could be 50% of what he was, and that's probably still better than the backup. I mean, it could, right? Like, if he's spraying things, his accuracy is one of his best attributes. So if the footwork gets messed because, you know – the calf is bothering him or he can't like push off of that foot. Where are we? You know, that I could see like a 50% scenario, and that's probably still better than anything they're going to get from a backup. And that's the gamble you're making. Are you going to get 70% because that's much better than the backup. And do you, do you, you, I don't know. Like, that's the tough thing is that it feels there's a very clear pro con here pro we can try to dig ourselves out of this O2 o- hole with an easy schedule, well, relatively easy schedule coming up. Not that easy, but you know, like I, I saw I saw the uh the Cardinals on there. <laughs> um, but or do you rest him because there are long-term impacts? I think this team still and they should think they're in the Super Bowl window. Like this is still a Super Bowl team. I don't care if they're 0-2. It was an AFC championship last year, 0-2, and it's different, whatever. But now it, it because if he misses the next like three four games, I don't think they're winning many of those. And digging yourself out of something that's like one in five with the 49ers and Bills back to back after the bye, tough. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's that's really tough.
1: Yeah, I personally, I, I'll just say this we we don't know how Joe's feeling today. Right. Um, You know, he was still sore on Monday. He was walking around without a brace on Monday in the locker room. Um, You know, I, I don't know what that means. We saw him walk without a brace for, for quite some time when he was coming back during training camp, even when he wasn't he was on the He was walking
0: track. without a brace the day after the injury.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll just say we don't know. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of speculation out there right now, and a lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to go on the IR, or he's going to be good, and he'll play on Monday. I, I, I just think that – there are a lot of people that I trust in the sports world and they don't have a lot of information on it. So I'm going to wait until those people speak up and they offer their insight and, you know, doctors can get whatever they have right now and offer their Twitter um, doctor advice. And that's totally fine. But I just feel like we don't know. And the thing is, the good news is next time we record, they're going to already have their practice in. And that's what's going to be telling for me. I need to see what Thursday looks like. If Joe Burrow is not practicing at all on Thursday, they might just be smart and say, hey, it's going to be a limited or he's not going to be out there. And we're going to put Jake Browning out there. Um, and, and that's who I think that they they roll with as their backup quarterback. I don't see me them too. bringing someone else in. Um, well, and I the need-
0: other option would be Will Greer, right? If he's sped up on the offense.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, and I, I know a lot of, a lot of people, if they had to choose, they're like, oh, go with Will. Don't go with Jake. I just think right now your game plan is going to be totally different. And here's the thing. We're going to get to the play calling and kind of how different it has been with Joe Burrow because it has been. Um, There's a reason why, you know, I even asked you after the Browns game, man, it just looks boring out there. And there was a reason that this offense was boring over the last few weeks. But I felt in the second half versus the Baltimore Ravens that it was getting there because I was like, okay, it's returning. It's slowly returning. We're seeing it again. And it felt like deja vu of the second week of last season where it was slowly just getting a little bit better. And then they had that Thursday night football or then they had the Jets and they had Thursday night football and it was just could have been a repeat if, if obviously Joe Burrow was healthy. And we just do not know that. And I know a lot of people feel a certain way. I will say this when it comes to opinion, how I feel about it. Joe Burrow's health is the number one thing. It's a bummer to think about because this team is really talented and they have a lot of talented guys on there. I think I'm so glad I don't have to make those decisions. There are a lot of people in that building. They're going to make those decisions. They are going to talk to doctors like Zach Taylor said, and they're going to get the best advice that they should make for Joe Burrow to be out there or not be out there. Joe Burrow's tough, and he's one of those guys who, who's, who's almost like the mindset of what Patrick Mahomes would do. He'd go play on one leg if he needed to. Uh, yep. That's a little different if it's the playoffs versus week three of your regular season. Um, and I, I think you have to be smart about that and 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 if Joe wants to play, there has to be someone in the room if he isn't physically or you shouldn't physically be out there. I hope someone in the room is saying, no, you shouldn't be out there because you're the franchise, protect your investment, protect your franchise. And that is the most important thing. The team is better with Joe Burrow out there. I'll still say it. Even like you said, even almost like a 50 to 60% Joe Burrow would be better than the Jake Browning option. Um, But at, at this point, we just don't know. And them having Wednesday off doesn't help, but it does give them an extra day. Um, so we'll see We'll see if they set Joe, Joe out for one game, two games. I know a lot of people look at this stretch and they're like, oh, it's an easy stretch. It's the NFL. No game is easy. Um, Anything could happen right now. Matthew Stafford is playing like an MVP and he's putting up 600 yards in two weeks. So that's not going to be an easy matchup on Monday Night Football. And then you look on their defensive side and everybody remembers that guy in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, you have a tough decision to make. And for me personally, if Joe isn't feeling it, and I would say even if he's like 60%, you send him out Monday Night Football, you just do um, maybe it's, it isn't an IR situation cause their buy is early this year and they just take it week by week with Joe and maybe one game rest, maybe he doesn't go and, and play the Titans. And then you, you return to, you could be starting no one for, and you just try to figure out where do we go from here? And if Joe isn't getting any better and the calf is still bothering him, then you got some tough decisions to make at the buy. Uh, because we could be in a similar situation where Joe sits, goes on the IR and we're still where we were at the beginning or at the end of training camp. And he's not, and he's not ready to go full go.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, the worst outcome is to look at Rodgers for the cautionary tale. He had the, he had a calf strain in camp and then he played on it week one and made it four snaps and tore his Achilles. Kevin Durant did the same thing in basketball had a calf strain and it's like, it's the finals. I'm going to get back out there toward his Achilles. So that is the real disaster scenario. Like if he g- gets out there, your re-injury risk, isn't just the calf anymore, you know, like, and it never really was, but especially now that it's been re-aggravated to me, I feel like your re-injury risk could be something more serious. And the last thing that the Bengals need is for Burrow to go through a surgery, go through eight months of rehab, and not be ready for training camp not be ready for the start of the next season that is the worst possible case It could not it it could you know they could play him be aggressive he could get out there he feels good enough to play and nothing happens and then this turns the season around because that is the other part of this is he goes out there monday night and he leads them to a victory against the rams and then the next week he goes out there and he gets another win and you're like okay we're at two and two and you know, maybe Burrow doesn't look MVP Burrow, but it, it's clear, like, the offense is moving or, you know, whatever. Like, this save – not save your season, but, like, we've turned it around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I think they play the Cardinals in Week 5, which that feels – you don't want to overlook anybody. No. But that certainly does feel like <laughs> you should go out there and win, guys. Uh, at least from my perspective. But, yeah, I mean, that's the tough part. It's, it's how – and I think a lot of it comes to Burrow, how he feels, what the doctors say. I don't think this is so much a oh, Zach Taylor's stupid for playing yeah. Burrow or something. It's like, well, maybe some coaches would tell him, no, you can't play. Or maybe the front office or whatever. But I, I feel like at the end of the day, I trust the doctor's opinion more than my head coach, and more than the player. But I trust the player's opinion on how he feels a lot is the player fully telling the truth i mean that's up for <laughs> debate like there's guys all the time they'll say yeah oh, i good man i'm good send me back out there and they shouldn't be but to me this is kind of a, a doctor uh has to evaluate i don't know if they do mri for re of calf strains or anything but it feels so much like a feel thing right like if he feels good to go or if the doctor says he's good to go and he feels okay It's tough. It's tough. And it's hard to think about losing the entire season from a calf strain, right? Because start 0-2, if you get shut down for two or three weeks and you get to 0-4, 0-5, that hole is probably too deep to dig out of
1: Yeah, I, I just wouldn't. At that point, you you think about like I said, you're protecting your investment. If you're sitting at zero and five, zero and four, I I just I think then you're you don't even and, and Joe's still like 80, 90 percent from that. You you, I would probably shut him down. To be completely honest, um, you, you have the to
0: Bills think- game because I'm going to that one.
1: Yeah, you're right. No, no, no. But but it also, there's so many things um, because players go out there every night and, and we look at Nick Chubb the other night. It's a week by week league. Anything can happen. And you risk being injured when you're out there. And I hate it because it's the franchise quarterback and you want him to be healthy. You want him to get a normal offseason. And we're dealing with this calf strain. And it felt like he was at the end of the road feeling, um, you know, full recovery was just about to happen. And and listening to all the Twitter doctors, the real ones, it, it sounds like when you get close to the end, you start to feel great. You're, you're you're moving everything's moving around and and that's when the reaggravation can really happen because you don't really feel it as much anymore and that could have been what happened we just don't know and the good news is like Zach Taylor said, he isn't going to just talk to Joe and be like, all right, Joe, how you feeling? You want to go back out there? He said, we're going to talk to doctors. It wasn't one doctor. We're going to talk to doctors before they make that decision. And um, it's been pretty quiet around there for a reason. Like I said, they're going to be off Wednesday. um, And when they hit the field on Thursday, I feel like that's going to be your telling sign. Friday is more of that real last practice before they have a couple walkthroughs for Monday Night Football. So um, if Joe's even out there on Thursday and he's limited Friday would be more telling. Um, It's really going to have to be what it, it, if they do decide to do a week by week thing with Joe Burrow, it's going to be the rehab. It's going to be the reps. Um, Do they kind of slow it down? You remember when he came off his ACL and they did change the offense a little bit where it was, let's run the ball, let's run the ball, let's run the ball. Uh, When we gave Zach a hard time about not letting Joe cook, and that uh, in that overtime game against the 49ers, they were slowly getting back into Joe's passing game. Um, and it was smart. And I think right now is one of my biggest question marks because you went and, and I'll kind of go back a little bit from from watching the tape. You went back and you watched the tape. What's going on with the, 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 the offense is this way for a reason. And like I said, the second half, I, I felt optimistic about what it was going to look like. But I feel like there was opportunity to, to run the football more you should be running the football more. Maybe not having Joe Burrow pass it 40 times, but I'm not going to be down on Zach Taylor because I get he has to, this is the offense he has to create right now.
0: So what I'm seeing with that is I think the run game was efficient, but it's hard to try to get a real run game with five-man surfaces. What I mean by that is just your five offensive linemen. I think you could do it with six if the sixth guy is good. And I'm not saying Irv is terrible, but he's not a net positive in the run game the same way that some other guys are as a tight end. He's more so a guy that can survive in line, and then there are going to be plays that he doesn't win at, and they don't play with a fullback. One of their best runs was that duo on their third drive um, where Mixon bounced it outside and Drew Sample caved in the end kind of need that when you're going, if you're just going to pound the rock, you need your secondary blockers, your tight ends for some teams, a fullback, some teams, a wide receiver. You need those guys to really be able to assert themselves and provide an extra force for the front. And I don't think the Bengals have that right now, unless they just want to play with Drew Sample out there, but that comes with other limitations and the passing game, as we all know, um, it's tough. I the shotgun run game is always going to be harder than under center, just because of how the angles work and how you they get downhill. But you know the running back starting point isn't the same, and he's not firing downhill. He has to take the hand off and then go downhill. And they try to get to shotgun wide zone, which was interesting. I'm hoping just as a change up because I don't think you could do that as an offense the same way you could under center, and they were they weren't good at it under center anyway last year. Different players this time. Uh well, one different one. Um it's tough because I do think the run game, if they wanted to, they could establish it. They could go Drew Sample, they could try to just pound guys into submission. There's a lot of runs you can get to with six with a six-man surface. With a five-man surface, you gotta get creative, other than just like an inside zone play. Can't run duo, which is one of their more popular concepts. You can't run power. They got to this play called Dart from Rich Rodriguez um, at West Virginia where they pull the tackle around, and that works, but they don't get to it very often. And the thing I really want to see is them get to some draw plays because they're such a pass-heavy team. I just feel like it makes so much sense to fake pass and let's run, but they still haven't gotten there. It, it's tough. I, I, just, I don't know if they have the equipment right now with the starting group to be able to try to pound the rock, even though it's been efficient and Mixon's been awesome. I feel like if you're going to try that, you kind of have to just roll Drew Sample out there, but then does that become a tendency that the defense is going, okay, when Drew Sample checks in, let's load the box. And that comes with other issues. So I don't know. I I think there's a whole lot going on, and it does make sense to me why they haven't tried to just run the ball. They also fell behind early in this game. So you're going to pass more there. But it was tied, too, right before the interception. So I don't know. There's a lot. A lot of factors go into this. I think the main one is just their spread and they're playing with five-man surfaces because Irv hasn't been a net positive as a blocker. He's been maybe a net neutral, uh, maybe a tiny net negative. But uh, if he's not giving it to you, you don't have a Ben Skoranek type or what Stanley Morgan was. He's not active anymore, so you don't have that wide receiver that can come and just try to grind some guys to the dirt. It'll be interesting because I think they're going to have to run the ball more whether or not it's Burrow. And yeah. it's really interesting if they go to what Jake Browning, Will Greer type, where they're probably going to ask, I got to get under center. And they're just going to try to pound it.
1: Yeah, I think, um, oh, goodness, I that's, that game absolutely just feels like someone took a pen to a balloon to be completely honest with you, because it was going to be so exciting. It was Monday Night Football. It's the Ring of Honor, and right now there's so many question marks to what that game is really going to look like um and when you're owing two, it just feels like man if they could have if Joe Burrow doesn't throw the interception in the second half or they're able to get a stop on defense that we look at that Ravens game and you're like you got out of that one you're one and one um mm-hmm. but the situation that you're in right now 0 two in your division and, and I've said it before I said on the podcast after the game it's different from your own two last year just we got to stop with the comparisons of, oh, they've been here before. And look, I hope I'm wrong and we can run this tape and this team grinds it out and Joe Burrow just has to deal with it, deal with a calf strain all season because quarterbacks have. Um, I, I hate using the Aaron Rodgers comparison because obviously I know a lot of people look at this season and they're like, oh, he had a calf strain in OTAs and then he, he tore his Achilles in the game. He also has played a whole regular season with a calf strain before. And it was just something that was nagging and he had to play with. And it's, it's, it's I'm sure, painful. Um, and, and it's not ideal. And I wish Joe didn't have to deal with any of it. And I wish he could be fully healthy because the league is better when Joe is hundred percent. Uh, but this is just kind of what you're dealing with right now. And the offense, I think a lot of us, it's so easy to criticize Zach Taylor. And I've even questioned like, what's going on, man. I feel like we're right back to the very slow start. This offense can't get anything going. And then you hear it and you're like, look, they're doing what they can right now. Um, they're trying to adapt and make it a little easier for Joe Burrow while he has this calf strain and he's not 100. percent And we noticed that most of, I would say almost a a, a game and a half, because the second half looked a, a tad bit different. Uh, but even Jamar a Chase, lot different to me. yeah, I mean, they averaged
0: it, uh, 52 yards of drive in the second half.
1: And Joe looked back. I mean, there are clips of mm-hmm. Joe. I mean, he's and it's just like that's he's back. That throw that throws the T Higgins for the touchdown was just it's one that we would be playing on loop we'd be looking at it if they win that game you're like oh my goodness what a throw by joe um, but you know, it's just it's where they're at right now, and it's just really unfortunate because it felt like he was he was towards the end of um kind of dealing with that calf strain. So we'll see what happens. Um, there's so many goodness, I think I've read so much about calf strains over the last six to seven weeks. There's ones where it's like it's sore for three days, and it's it's and it's just a reaggravation right now, and we just don't have a whole lot of answers, and we won't um until we hear from Zach Taylor, and then we kind of see from practice if Joe Burrow's back out there on the injury report. Um Obviously he's going to be getting treatment this week. So to be determined on who the quarterback is and maybe they make some Wednesday news, but um, as of now, it's pretty quiet over at OnePayCor uh, one pay Course stadium. We'll stay with the offense right now. Um, I feel like it's a, it's really easy for a lot of people, especially in the national media to point to the offensive line and just say, mm, offensive line still bad in Cincinnati. That offense is really bad. They can't get anything going. Um, you know, we've talked plenty about Joe Verona's calf strain. How's the offensive line looking after two games?
0: So I thought they were bad in the first game, but this second game, they were good. They are legit good, especially in pass protection, protecting Burrow. Um, Orlando Brown was awesome. I gave him one pressure in uh, my watch. Jonah had a couple. Volson had a, a couple, and even Kappa had one. Harris had a clean slate, but it's also an even front team that didn't really try to attack him too much. But he just makes an awesome plays. There's a play where he blocks two guys on the one play, which is just so cool. I love that. Uh thought they played pretty well, though. I just, I know this isn't the most intimidating front, but this is a solid group. Like, I don't think there's a lot of these guys that are bad. I think, like, guys like Matabike, uh, Owe, who did leave the game eventually, um, Clowney, all were, they've all been pretty good this year so far. And Michael Pierce, another guy, he's more of a run stopper, but that's a solid player. And Ojabo, I think he's still reeling from the Achilles tear he had. So he's not looking like himself. So that'd be the one where, like, when Ojabo lined up over them, they were able to control it pretty well. But I thought these guys played pretty dang well, at least from the last couple of years. This is one of the better performances in pass protection. Not the best and nothing crazy, but just solid all around with, I think, Karras and Brown having standout good games. Run blocking, is a slightly different story. They're doing fine, I think, in run blocking. But that's another reason why I don't think they're pounding the rock. Is just the run blocking's fine. It's not great. The reason it's been efficient is because Mixon's been incredible more than anything. I don't think they're doing bad. I think they could if they really wanted to try to grind teams, but where they are right now is just like they're not killing guys there. They're doing okay.
1: If you're this team and you have Jake Brown out there, look, we'll preview what's going to happen for Monday Night Football when we get closer, but this offense, we we hear it all the time. It honestly feels like a broken record, but it's you got to start out fast. You got to, you know, it'd be nice to play with a lead for once. If you're there, Monday Night Football, I ask you all the time, coin toss. You have the option. You get in the ball first and you're like, we got to go down and make a statement. We're at home. It's prime time. Let's do something.
0: No, I defer every time. Every every time. Every time I am deferring.
1: MVP, and Matthew Stafford's on the other side. So what? Stafford.
0: It. it just gives you a real advantage. Like There is the momentum advantage, the confidence advantage, and this is why they went to it in the first place last year, was the moment not the moment, but the confidence in the offense. They're playing poorly, so let's build some confidence. Let's get some good scripted plays and drive down the field. One, these scripted plays stink right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, three and out, three and out, and those were the two scripted drives. Because when you go three and out, you kind of stay with the scripted sheet. You go, okay, well, you know, that just didn't work. And they could point to holding penalty. Holding penalty is why that didn't work, or Irv didn't get the second foot down. These scripted plays are awesome. And then the second three and out happens and you go like, okay, so what's the defense giving us? <laughs> let's, let's adjust and make some, make some changes there, which then they got to what I thought should be the scripted plays, which was, Hey, find the guy that's not a starter and just throw the ball at him. Just throw the ball at him to one of the wide receivers, which is what they got to, but digress. Um, yeah. If the scripted plays were like driving down the field, they had a Ravens type scripted offense, or the Ravens' first 15 plays, that was their first drive. They went seven and a half minutes, went through the whole scripted sheet. (laughs) So if they were doing that, then maybe you could build the case, but I don't even have the case right now for why you should receive the ball instead of defer. If you can play with that middle eight minutes where the last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second half, and be able to completely swing a game, that's worth much more than starting off hot to me.
1: Okay. Well, it would be nice for once for them to play with the lead. Um, at some it point, would.
0: I I agree, but I think falling behind like three, nothing, even seven, nothing, you're not getting anything crazy. It's when you start falling behind two scores, and then you go, okay, we gotta really adjust things here. We can't play with the elite. When it's real early, I feel like you just run the offense, but yeah, you can't do that when you fall behind multiple scores like they did.
1: Yeah. Well, one, one more thing. Um, wide receivers, Jamar Chase. I think you you could see some of his quotes um, in the locker room. He he spoke to the media on Monday, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, it sounds like he's like, yeah, Zach, give me the ball." But I don't think I don't. I think if you go back and listen to his clip, I think he was Jamar Chase was right. I mean, you have a threat. You have a receiver like Jamar Chase. It really feels like he isn't a huge part of the offense right now, but look, when you have T catching two touchdowns, it isn't a bad thing. Um, What could this team do more with Jamar Chase going forward?
0: So they are using him a little bit as a decoy, and that does make sense when all eyes are on him. Just look at that mix in catch and run, where the fake handoff to Jamar Chase drew like three guys in. And that's a fake handoff. Uh, He draws a lot of attention in the pass game. But... I do think there are a couple plays Burroughs clock was sped up and this might've been more of a rust or than anything than the calf or anything. And he kind of missed a, an opportunity. I'm thinking of a few examples, but the one I really think of was called a sale concept. And so your most outside receiver just runs a, a go or a post, like a very skinny post, just take the corner out of the play. You're not throwing that unless you get a really good look. The next route is a deep about 12 yard out route and that was covered but then the way they ran it they ran basically a drag or a shallow from the slot on the backside to control the flat the issue is that's jamar chase and what you're supposed to read there is one on the deep two to the out and then three to the shallow and burrow it felt like went one to two to check down as if he's playing with you know his playoff offensive line type of thing where like I, I don't have time to get to that third one but he had time and that third one was jamar chase and jamar chase had nobody on him there was roquan smith trying to chase him from behind so if you just put that on him and that's a catch and run uh i also think he i think he had a point in this game about let's throw some more go balls to me Because the Ravens play a lot of that quarters. They play a lot of stuff like that. And sometimes that scares teams off. It's like, hey, that's too high. You know, like we shouldn't throw the go ball here. Do it. Throw the go ball against too high because when its quarters. They're not playing over the top on you. Uh, That would be a heck of a play for him to get over the top of a Jamar Chase go ball from that situation. That, to me, is still isolated. I think of isolated as in single high and then also quarters. You isolate the corner against that wide receiver. And I would be fine throwing a few of those. Just let's see it. Let's see a couple, because that's what Jamar Chase is best at. Let's see him down the field as a vertical threat. I also think there is a slight case that Jamar Chase should be playing better, too. I, I, I'm i not trashing him. He's an awesome player. He's the best receiver on the team, top five receiver in the league. He didn't catch the jump ball against Rocky Sin. I think he could have set up Rocky Sin better, too. He kind of just ran into it and then... And he does that sometimes and just wins like it's fine, but it's kind of ran into it. Didn't really threaten. Like what I want to see is you kind of like threaten the inside and then create a little bit of space and then jump up for that fade. Instead. He just kind of like runs into him. It's like, I'm just going to dunk on this guy, but he didn't. And those bubbles, everybody's complaining about the bubbles and the screens and everything. Well, if Jamar chase makes that first guy miss, some of those are explosive plays, And Jamar chase usually does make that first guy miss. So I know what they're doing here. It's just, let's throw an easy one. And let's just get a ton of yards. Let's have Burrow get 50 yards on one pass play, and all he had to do was just flip it out to Jamar Chase. But he hasn't made that guy miss yet. And that's a little bit frustrating. So I get both sides of the frustration. I think you should work him down the field more, work where he is best. And I also think that it could just be variance. Like, hey, he got tackled on a couple of those, and that just happens because these are NFL players. But when I think of you know, the best Jamar Chase games, and this isn't to say he's playing poorly. I think he's still playing like a B level or something for what I would expect of him. It's just not at that A level I expect of him. It's not at that alpha dog. Like I am in the conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm as good as Justin Jefferson. Like we play different, but I'm as good as that guy. It hasn't been there. It's, it's been more so like I'm the next tier after Justin Jefferson, which, Hey, you'll take that, but. I want to see him playing at the tier. That's like, I am as good as Justin Jefferson. Like, give me the ball. And those little bubbles, they turn into explosive plays. We're not angry about them. We're more so going like, "Whoa, look, did you see Jamar chase make that guy miss and then go 30 yards down the field? Like what a change in the offense. Not a design thing. It's nothing. It's just let my players be good. So that's my, that's, that's just my long thoughts on this. I think they should get the ball to him more. I think, Using them as a decoy is smart, but maybe they lean into it a tiny bit too much. I think Burrow has to be a little bit better about it too. Just find Chase and feed him a few extra targets. Um, especially when, like, okay, the concept I like got shut down. Instead of going right to the check down, maybe you just go, what's Jamar up to? <laughs> Let me take a peek on the backside. Because that's why he's checking it down so much. It's like, uh, the play I like, they covered it well because this team knows the Bengals. They've played them a hundred times. But That got shut down, and maybe it was a T boyd concept or a T Irv's concept or something. And he just checks it down to Mixon. Let's keep alive. Let's play another, you know, let's play live another day. Instead, there were a couple times, at least one, where if he just hung there and just kind of like went all the way to the backside, which isn't that common, but hey, Jamar Chase isn't common either. Went all the way to the backside and went, Oh wow, Jamar is open. Let me just throw this. Or Jamar's got a good shot at catching this ball. I could see that um, being a way to get him more targets, but the go balls is interesting and I think kind of smart. I would do it. I would I would call some up. If you're really worried about the quarter's safety making a play on there, just run something that occupies him, like a post from the slot from Boyd or something. Because post because then the safety is going to have to match that, and now I have Jamar Chase one on one down the field. And I'll take that every time.
1: Yeah. I um I agree I agree with both sides on that and and maybe they changed it up we just we don't know we don't know what Monday will look like but it'd be really nice for Jamar Chase to get in the end zone Um, That would be really good. Refreshing to see a touchdown from him felt like he had one on Sunday, but unfortunately didn't work out. Um, Moving on to the defensive side of the ball to wrap up our podcast tonight, the defensive line. I want to be completely honest with you. We talked about it before they got into the Baltimore Ravens game. When you put pressure on Lamar Jackson, and I know he's an amazing athlete and quarterback, but when you put pressure on him, he struggles. There was no pressure on Lamar at all. And you're putting a lot of money on that defensive line that we thought could get pressure this year. I was a little underwhelmed with what the defense looked like on Sunday.
0: To be honest, I'm mostly underwhelmed because I thought a giant mismatch in this game would have been Trey Hendrickson against a backup left tackle and Patrick McCarry. And McCary's one of the better backup left tackles in the league, but still a backup. <laughs> he still wouldn't start on most teams. So, I was thinking, okay, well, he should have a great game. Now, he doesn't have a great game, and you're watching the broadcast. You don't catch everything. I just threw it away as in, like, oh, they probably chipped the crap out of him. They probably gave so much help, but they didn't. They had ample – trainers had ample opportunities to take advantage of that matchup, and he didn't. And some of it is actually the plays he won and had a dominant rep. I'm thinking of the strip sack a penalty called it back. Mm -hmm. You know, that is frustrating. But it also didn't look like Trey Henderson gets a backup tackle. I think we're allowed to ask for better performance because I thought it would look it would look like what Miles Garrett looked like to the Bengals, where uh, man, get some more hands on that guy. He's wrecking this game. Like you gotta do something to stop Miles Garrett. The Ravens at no point it felt like they were going like, man, we got to do something to stop Trey Hendrickson. It just was, hey, Patrick, you're doing a great job out there. You know, uh, I think Patrick mccarry probably deserves a game ball for the performance he gave out. It was awesome. Morgan Moses on the other side, I don't think he allowed a pressure to Sam Hubbard. Uh, maybe one. So that's tough because I think of them as similar level players. The center, they didn't take advantage of too much, but at the same time, that's tough because it's hard to isolate the center harder at least than it is Mm -hmm. to get the tackles or the guards because you're usually having that center help or be helped a majority of the game Um, reader had a pressure on Zeitler and he had one I believe on John Simpson as well but your nose tackle can't be your second best pass rusher you need BJ Hill to get some pressure you need um, Zach Carter to get some pressure I thought Carter I was so excited for him after last week, and now I'm back to that's not consistent. He had a a bad game in my mind. Josh Tupo is the backup nose tackle. He had a bad game stopping the run, and he doesn't give you anything as a pass rusher. It feels like they're not going to play J2 Fele, so we can stop yelling about it. (laughs) I mean, he was active. He got zero snaps. Um, Miles Murphy had a pressure on Patrick Bakari. I think some people forget about it. (laughs) <laughs> they forget about it. Like they could do everything. They Which, hey, that one pressure, that ties him with the amount of catches Michael Mayer has so far this season.
1: Well, what do you think about this? And, and yeah, I, I think it's fair to say, look, Trey Hendrickson, you weren't good enough in that game. Sam Hubbard, you weren't good enough in that game. And I'm not trying to be – because your expectations are high for their talent. Yeah, because I think they're
0: good. And I think good. they have been better. And they should be better. I just think this game, it, it's not me – I get so frustrated on Twitter, though, because it's like I point something out or I say somebody should be better. That's not me saying that player is trash or he's garbage or he shouldn't be on the team or anything like that. I'm just half of this is because I think this player is good. I think this player is a really good player and I expect a little bit better. So that's where I am on it because somebody got mad because, oh man, not pressure related, but I thought Logan Wilson had a rough game. He
1: did have a rough game.
0: And everybody started getting on me about it. It's like, I'm not saying Logan Wilson's bad. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve that contract. I think he does. I think he's a great player. And that's why I expect better. And whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm just analyzing the game and looking at it. We're not in the room. So like we shouldn't demand better or anything because it's not he's not playing for us. But expect, I think I have expectations of Logan Wilson being a really good player out there. I think I have expectations of Trey Hendrickson being a near all pro level pass rusher and, Neither one of those things happened. I expect one of these backups to be able to provide something. And yeah, Joseph Osai's hurt. It just feels so much like last year where your second best pass rusher is a nose tackle. that shouldn't even be on the field for passing downs because that's not where his value is. And none of these guys are stepping up. And a little bit of it is how the Bengals construct their defensive line. They love pocket pushers. They love guys that you know are great run stoppers. But Larry Ogunjobi left two years ago, and it really feels like they just never found another Larry Ogunjobi type because he was the second best pass rusher when he was here.
1: Did you see him last
0: night? I sure did. You know, I said it when they initially let him go. I I was saying it is hard to find Larry Ogunjobi types. Like, I get that he's not consistent. I get that there are other issues and – I know why coaches aren't that into them. It's the same reason they're not in the J2 fele because getting a splash play and then giving up a splash play isn't even in their minds. But if you could get a guy like Larry Ogunjobi in the pass rushing department, they need it. They need a guy like that right now.
1: Do you, And one more quick thing, man. then we'll hit on Dax Hell and we'll wrap up this episode. Uh Joseph Asai, it honestly feels like, he's going to be returning soon. It really does. I mean, he was out yeah. there in practice last week and I think again, they're, they're trying to be smart with his injury and um, this could be the week that he returns. Is that going to be the difference maker on getting pressure?
0: It might. I think Cam Sample has been okay in that department. Um, not consistent enough, but Osai is a guy that I pegged as my breakout when he had the injury. I think, I think Osai could be legit. And I think that it could happen in this game coming up or whenever he comes back. He's got tools that the other guys don't have. Murphy has tools too. He's just, he's so raw. And mm-hmm. getting a pressure against, uh, against McCarthy was good enough for me. <laughs> like getting one of those, that's what I'm looking for. One pressure. And I'm hoping the sack comes eventually, like next game or two. But where I am right now is like, okay, he, you could, he's flashing a little. Osai, I'm expecting like not just flashes. Like this guy, I think he's going to be good. He was good in that Chiefs game in the afc championship game um there could be a difference it could just be as simple as that as trey hendrickson and joseph osai opposite each other at the same time on the field you can't double team everybody so they're just winning one-on-ones left and right i think this game it's an opportunity who do you know who the rams tackles are off the top no. of your head no <laughs> i think it's I a don't. Alaric Jackson, the other one's Rob Haddonstein. He's been there forever. So that one's just, I just know the ramp right tackle. Uh, But the left tackle, Alaric Jackson, he wasn't starting for them at the start of last year. He's probably like Patrick McCurry level. Like, Oh no. (laughs) Not the same exact player, but you know, like a fine player, probably not starting on most teams. So we'll see if Trey Henderson can take advantage of that, if they can get him one-on-one with him. Hey, Trey Henderson has like, two, three sack game. I won't stop talking about how good he was.
1: Here's the thing. And, and I agree. We, it's expectations. We have very high expectations for them. I trust Lou as a defensive coordinator. I know his specialty is going to be the secondary. I actually thought
0: his plan was good in that Lamar Jackson, in that game too. He also just, Lamar Jackson, give him his credit,
1: man. Like He, he had a really good game. After.
0: You know how hard it is to stop an MVP level quarterback playing like an MVP? Hey Burrow's yeah. done it to other teams and we just go like that's Burrow. That's Burrow. This is the Ravens. This is the Ravens Just kinda of like, Yeah, that's Lamar, man.
1: <laughs> well, there was an opportunity for Logan Wilson at the very end to, to, to at yeah. least get another yeah, he, stop. So it's too just- quickly. It's unfortunate, but yeah, so that's where it is, and then I honestly, I do, I trust Lou, I trust Lou and the gang, uh, but they do, they got to stop the run, they got to they gotta put some pressure on the quarterback, and I, I want to see it again, um, and yeah, so that's how I feel about the defensive line right now, going to the second year, really,
0: really uh, I was just saying, for a defense that really, like I mentioned with the defensive line, loves run stoppers and prides itself on stopping the run, they've been very bad at it this year, it's early, but they have not been good at it.
1: Yeah, there's some things to fix, and uh, we'll hit on Daxel really quickly because I'm still optimistic. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the rookie. I know it's easy for a lot of people to so say, well, you're look basically at- rookie." I know, I know, <laughs> Dax. I know that they drafted you too. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm. It, <laughs> he, I treat him like a rookie, and it it isn't fair. Sorry, Dax. Um, but I kind of want to get to this point really quickly. I think a lot of people they'll look at Von Bell, Jesse Bates. They got interceptions. Oh, we miss them so much. Happy for them, but. It isn't Dax Hill. I don't think this is a Dax Hill problem when, when you see some of the issues on the defensive side of the ball. I've been really, really happy with what I'm seeing out of him.
0: Yeah. He's been good. The corners, every single one of them had one rep where it just went like hands on the head. Like, Oh, yep. big play given up safeties. I didn't really feel that missed tackles, especially Nick Scott missed a few tackles, mm. but when it comes to like, well, they weren't really allowing those deep shots. Even that play, some people got upset with Dax Hill. <sighs> Real quick, another play breakdown where I don't have to play in front of you to watch. The deep ball is a flowers. That's one-on-one, uh, I believe those. yeah, Cam Taylor Britt, one-on-one with him. And Cam Taylor Britt just has to stay with it. He just has to be able to defend that deep ball. But you should have help over the top, right, because they play single high. But they're playing a coverage called jump, where the deep safety just j- drives down on the over route, and then they try to replace him with the backside corner. backside corner is D.J. Turner, who, supreme athlete, it's just he didn't get over the top of that either. So I don't really put much blame on DJ Turner because it's so hard for him to get there. They were really hoping Lamar would throw that over route, maybe get an interception. And the other side of his Cam Taylor Britt's got to you know, be better on Zay Flowers and not allow him to get behind him, make a play at the catch point. Um, so I don't even put that on him. I think that was the coverage call, that he was asked to jump that guy. He was not doing that freelancing move by somebody's eyes. I think he was supposed to do that. Other than that, what bad play did he have? Because I can't think of too many. I thought he had some good ones. Um, Axel's looking like a really good player. I think that's where I am right now. And this is basically his rookie year as a safety. He's doing everything, and he's doing it at a pretty good level.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to get over knock. I'm always going to say he's a rookie this year. I'm, I just, I can't stop because it's his first real year at this position, everyone. So I apologize if I do it again. Uh, but that's where we are on the defense, offense side of the ball. We're going to wrap it up with this podcast. You have plenty of work over on all Bengals. What's up there right now?
0: Well, right now is my quick reactions to the game. Takeaways, whatever. And while you're listening, I should have an article up. I can't decide if I'm going to, I feel like it's just go pessimistic, but I'm probably going to look at the scripted plays and those first six in this game, and then maybe the first drive of the Cleveland game as well. And just try to see like, what exactly are they trying to do? Why is it not working and what can change?
1: All right. Make sure you go check it out, and uh, when we be back, when we're back later this week, we're going to preview Monday Night Football, the Bengals versus the Rams, and hopefully an update on Joe Burrow. Make sure you're following along, Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at Ellen Diaz Patterson. And thank you for listening too. It's always game day in Cincinnati.